Thank you for listening to the Desert Road Community Church podcast. If you would like to support Desert Road Community Church, go to www.desertroad.church and select the online giving tab. Now, let's join Pastor Dave Prosser as he gives this week's message. All right, we're going to continue our journey through the book of Acts. And today we're going to be looking at verses Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19. Now, I don't have the words on the screen. I'm not as technical or, you know, or maybe I'm a little bit more lazy. Maybe that's what it is than Pastor Dave. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can read along Acts, but I'll read them as well. Uh, Acts uh, chapter 9, 10 through 19. Now, last week we learned about Saul and his journey to Damascus, right? His intention on his way to Damascus was to get to Damascus and persecute Christians. That was his objective. Along the way, Jesus intervened and blinded Saul and directed him to go into the city and wait for a message telling him what he must do. Right? So this week we're introduced to Ananias. Now he's not the same Ananias from earlier in Acts. I think it was chapter 5. It's a different Ananias, but uh, a lot of people question that because Ananias, boy, that's an interesting name. Why would there be two Ananiases within a couple chap- chapters of the same book? And it's kind of like John or Bill or Terry or Steve in today's society. It's a common, it was a common name back then. So don't confuse yourself because the Ananias from earlier uh, was actually dead in chapter 5, so he did not come back. That's the only point there. All right, so let's read along in uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer in behalf of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying hands his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like fish scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized and he took food and was straightened. I'm strengthened, I'm sorry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these verses. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Uh, Lord, I just pray that in today's message that the words that I'm about to give and teach 
are from you and not of my own. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a couple things I want to focus on. There's three things I want to focus on, in fact, and three messages I want to get out of today's sermon, today's scripture. Number one, as Christians, we need to learn to let go and let God. Have you heard that message before, that saying before? Just let go and let God. In verse 10, it says, Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, quote, Here I am, Lord. Right? Now that response, Here I am, Lord, is a response that shows that Ananias was indeed a student of the Scriptures. Okay? In 1 Samuel uh, chapter 3, verse 4, the Lord called out to Samuel, and he said, here I am. Right? Just like Ananias said, here I am. Exact. In Genesis 31, 11, it says, Then the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob. And I said, here I am. Right? Genesis 22, verse 1. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, what do you think he said? Here I am. All right. See, Robin's paying attention. It's a good thing. <laughs> That's why I pointed it out. <laughs> Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Right. When Jesus calls us, when Jesus calls you to serve him, he knows that you're fully equipped to do what he needs you to do. You ever think about that? Have you ever been called by God to do something? You just know that you're supposed to do something for God. And as human beings, we tend to, what's one of the responses that we tend to say? I can't. Right? And then God kind of pushes a little bit and wants to know why. Right? Terry, I called you. I want you to lead worship in a church. Terry says, I, I, I can't do that. Right? Or he calls me and says, John, I need you to fill in for Pastor Dave when he's out. Huh? I, I can't do that. Right? He's got huge feet. <laughs> so what are some of the reasons why we don't? Why we say we can't do it? We're scared, right? Absolutely. Fear is a big thing. And what causes that fear to go out and serve Jesus when you're called? What's the number? In my opinion, say it again. Oh, Satan. Absolutely, right? The, the liar. But those lies that he puts in us are in our head, I don't know enough. 
right? I'm a young Christian. I don't, I, I don't know the Bible well enough. I can't go up and preach. Are you kidding me? And the Lord says, no, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I called you because you're equipped. It doesn't make a difference if you've been called to walk across the street and talk to your neighbor. If you feel that you are called by God to walk across the street and talk to that person about Jesus, do you think we're equipped to do so? I believe we are. But, like someone pointed out, we give in to the lies that Satan puts in our head. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not equipped. I'm too young. I, there's a hundred excuses why we don't go out and do it. But in this situation, when Jesus came and spoke to Ananias, Ananias said, here I am. But, but, he also said, Paul? Or Saul, really? Saul? That guy? That guy that's beating us all up, right? That guy that's going out to threaten all of the Christians? That's the guy you want me to, right? So even he had some doubt. He said, I'll do it. But that guy, right? Now, one of the things that God has done for us that, uh, that Jesus promised us is that God wouldn't call on us unless we were, pre uh, we were prepared. And in order to be prepared, He sent the Helper. So we're not out doing this alone, right? When you say, well, I don't know enough about the Bible, well, you've, guess what? You've got the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent you the Holy Spirit to help you. So you're not on your own. From John 14, 16, it says, I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper so that He may be with you forever. John 15, 26 says, When the Helper comes, whom will I send to you from the Father? Namely, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father. He will testify about me. So when we're called to do something, when we're called to walk across the street to speak to our neighbor, when we're called to give to the reservations, we do that, right? If you're called to go on a mission and you just know that you're being called in every fabric of your body, you know you're being called to do something. Do like Ananias did. and Just say, Lord, I'm here. I think it's crazy, but I'm here and I'm ready to roll. And I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit to do it. Number two, God will use those who the world sees unfit. Right? So that excuse that uh, I'm not qualified to do this, Lord, I think you're barking up the wrong tree here. God will use those who the world sees unfit. Chapter, or I'm sorry, verse 13 says, But 
Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many people about this man. How much harm did he do to your saints in Jerusalem? And here he has the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord Jesus said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. That's powerful. To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and sons of Israel. Now sometimes the Lord will call us to serve him because of the natural gifts we have. Saul was a pretty big guy. He was, he was big. He was tall. He was strong. He was kind of intimidating looking. From every understanding I have, he was bald with a big beard, like a goatee, like Terry back there, right? So he could be intimidating. Paul was an intimidating man. Saul was a big guy, but he was also a natural leader. His heart at the time was not in the right place. He was going up to Damascus to, you know, tussle a little bit. He wanted to go up there and scare some Christians. He wanted to go up there and by his threats and by his intimidation, he wanted to try to scare Christians away from following the way, right? But Jesus chose him because he knew Saul's courage and strength would have a huge impact on the world because, as we know, Saul went on to write just about almost all of the New Testament. Pretty impressive, right? Pretty big turnaround, I would say. All throughout the Bible, we saw this happen. We saw, we saw this in Moses. In fact, when God called Moses... Moses was kind of like, uh, you know, I'm here, but uh, I think you're choosing the wrong guy. I mean, Moses killed a man. Did he not? We saw this in King David. We saw this in Rahab, the prostitute, and uh, countless others throughout the Scriptures. In fact, in Joshua 6.25, because of Rahab, if, I don't know if you know the story of Rahab, but Rahab hid some Israelite spies because she knew that the officials in her city were going to kill them. They were looking for these two spies from the Israelites. So Rahab hid them because she, was, she had heard stories about Israel's God, and she was scared of Israel's God. So she hid the two spies. Joshua 6.25 says, However, Rahab the prostitute in her father's household and all she said, Joshua spared. Or all she had, Joshua spared. And she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day because she hid the messengers from Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. That's pretty powerful. In fact, Rahab is actually in the lineage of Jesus. How powerful is that? How powerful is that? God will use those who the world sees unfit. Number three, Jesus never said serving him would be easy, did he? I don't think he did. 
Verse 16 says, For I will show him how much he must suffer in behalf of my name. He's telling Ananias, Don't worry. Paul's going to be used. I'm going to use him for a powerful, he's going to be powerful for my name, but he's also going to suffer. I don't know, just reading that, I don't know if that made Ananias feel better. Oh, okay, well, that's good. Then I will go. I, I'll go talk to Paul, right? If he's going to suffer for what he's done, I'll, sure. He may have said that for that reason. I don't know, but I do know that it was a promise that he made, and it's a promise that he kept. And it seems a bit counterintuitive when you think about it. God wants all of us to give our lives over to Christ, and here Jesus is telling us that you're going to suffer. When you become a Christian and you start doing my work, I'm going to make you suffer. doesn't make people really line up at the door to want to be part of this, right? Oh, that's awesome. My life is great, and if I give my life over to Jesus, I'm going to suffer. That's good. Where do I sign up? What's this going to cost me, right? Jesus says, serve me, and in return you will suffer. John 15, 18 through 20 says, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it's hated you. And if you are of the world, the world will love you as its own. Boy, don't we see that today. Don't we see that today. It seems like as if the world today, every, everybody is offended by everything except sin. Sin is cool, right? In fact, there's a story up in Canada right now where there's a dad, and he's the father of a 14-year-old girl. He's divorced from his wife, and his ex-wife is raising this 14-year-old girl to be a boy. Okay? This is a true story. You can look it up. And so he was in court because he's trying to fight the system to get his daughter back so that he can help her go through this, whatever she's going through, this confusion, right? So he was put up on the stand in the, uh, the courtroom, and he was instructed to refer to his daughter as him, he, all this business, right? He refused to do that. He refused to accept his daughter as a son. So on the, while he was uh, in court and he was on the stand and he, he kept referring to his daughter as his daughter, shockingly, and he kept referring, using the pronouns her and she, and the judge finally had enough of it. The judge said, you are now in contempt. He got, I believe, 30 days in jail. I'll have to verify that. But he is in jail currently for referring to his daughter as his daughter. In fact, now the judge has said that he is no longer, if interviewed by the press, he's no longer allowed to refer to his daughter as his daughter, or he will be held in contempt 
again, and he will stay in jail. If you are of the world and the world, the world will love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world because of this, the world hates you. Pretty powerful, right? Verse 20 says, Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute, uh, persecute you as well. If they followed my word, they will follow yours also. Pretty strong coming from Jesus, right? If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. So you become a Christian, you're going to be persecuted. You're, the world is going to hate you. In James 1 verse 4, uh, one, yeah, one, uh, one through four. I'm sorry, one through four. Uh, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. How about that? Why do we suffer? Why, when we become Christians, why do we suffer? Because James tells us the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Now Hebrews chapter 12, 10 and 11 says, But uh, he disciplines us for our own good, right? So that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all disciples seem, seems not to be pleasant. Or I'm sorry, all discipline seems not to be pleasant, but painful. Yet those who have been trained by it afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Why do we suffer? We suffer so that we, we can become better, stronger Christians. We suffer so that we can do more for Jesus. We suffer to become more like Jesus. Right? Now, when you're reaching out to people, I wouldn't open with that. <laughs> this is something that as... As we mature in our faith, we have to learn to understand we're going to get to know that, right? When Jesus met the fishermen on the boat, he said, follow me and I will make, fisher I will make you fishers of men, right? He didn't say, follow me and you're going to suffer. Let's not open with that. But we want to learn from that, right? Because as we mature in our faith, suffering is almost, it's almost a healing. It's almost something that, it's even hard to explain. When we suffer for Jesus, man, I'm good with that. As I learn. Let's recap. So, first of all, we got to let go and let God. We got to get out of our own way and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. Number two, 
God has used people who use the world, I'm sorry, who the world sees as unqualified. There's an old saying in Christianity, God qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified, right? We suffer for his sake. This is number three. We suffer for his sake to be better, stronger, more impactful Christians. And most importantly, we suffer to be more like Jesus. Can I get an amen, anybody? Amen. Lord, God, we, uh, we thank you for this time this morning. And uh, what a blessing it is. What a blessing it is to be loved by you. Lord, we're going to go through times as individuals, as a church, as a nation, that we will suffer on your behalf. But Lord, you've loved us so much that you allow us to go through that so that we can become more like you. And Lord, that's my prayer today. Lord, I pray that everyone that hears this message today learns that when you go through a suffering period as a Christian, it's not a sign to run from your faith, but it's a sign to run to Christ. Run to Jesus and embrace him and thank him for the suffering because, Lord, we know that suffering is temporary. One day, all the suffering will be gone. One day, Christ will return. And as a Christian, I can't wait. Lord, thank you for this message. Thank you for the love of your son. Thank you for the suffering he went through for us so that we may be saved. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.